My name is Anthony Capazzoli, and this is the Dismantled Life Podcast, where we share stories of hope, love, and strength from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of sobriety. These are stories from people just like us who have lived through the pain and made it. No matter how bad it gets, just know that you can and will recover. It takes work. It takes hard work. Each week, we talk in detail about what it takes to make it, what it takes to beat your addictions. I am a recovering addict from alcohol, cocaine, and nicotine. My addiction started in eighth grade. I am now 50. I had over 40 years of very bad habits to break. I hit rock bottom hard. More than once, I nearly died. I would have left my wife and two young children behind. I've been clean and sober for nearly three years. I completely dismantled my entire life and rebuilt it from the ground up. I believe to make it in recovery, it takes a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual approach. It takes a positive mindset. It takes hard work. It takes a village. Join me weekly to learn from my sober superhero guests on the Dismantle Life podcast. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your podcast. Check me out at dismantle.life. Email me at anthony at dismantle.life anytime. Please be sure to leave a rating and review anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And let me know if you want to be on the show. Happy recovery. Tom, thank you very much for coming on the Dismantled Life podcast to tell your story. I'm really curious to learn more about it. And so for the listeners, let me say, though, um, this is going to be a little bit of a different story because Tom's approach to sobriety is a little different than mine. I mean, I'm all in sober, and that doesn't mean one way or the other, good, bad, or otherwise. I just know myself that if the first pin goes over, which is one drink or beer or whatever, I am off to the races to buy cocaine, to buy cigarettes, and to buy a lot more alcohol. So I, I can't do that. And, and your story um, is different in that regard. And I'm very curious because I think it's, I think it's great that, that you are able to do that. But before we dive in to those details and share your story, maybe we can start with a little bit about what I call like the, the pre-addiction part of your life and kind of where you're from. And um, you don't have to give away names and places, but a little bit about what your childhood was like and if there was any indicators kind of growing up that you felt were indicators towards addiction or not. So I grew up grew up in Naperville. Family life was probably everyone's dream. Um, wonderful parents, uh, wonderful aunt and uncles and cousins. Uh, no, really no issues towards any alcohol or drugs or anything whatsoever. Um, everyone always got along. We always had family gatherings. Um, it was it was a great time for me. I always tell all my friends, if we if I could give anything, I would go back to my childhood. Wow. It was absolutely phenomenal. That's great. It. Yes. I love hearing that. I don't hear that very often on the show, I have to say. This is that's this is a unique aspect and I think it's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I it's just so many memories of learning how my aunt taught me how to swim and yeah. she had she had a pool in her backyard she taught me how to swim summer times with my neighborhood friends just all playing together and night games and not a care in the world you yeah. wake up make your bed eat breakfast and come home for lunch and then come home for dinner and then you're back out until nine o'clock so that's awesome <laughs> it was it was a wonderful wonderful life I wouldn't give anything up for it. I really wouldn't. Wow. That's really, really nice to hear. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So, well, we could check that box then. That's really good. And I say that in a good way because a lot of times, for me anyway, um, I don't know, I'm in, my story is in episode one and 
my childhood was a little bit different and there were some influences there. Again, all of my addictions are my fault um, and I take ownership of that. But yes. there, there were, I guess, some examples in my life that maybe have opened the door to the path I took. That's all I'm going to give it credit for. But there mm-hmm. were, every decision I made along the way was mine yeah. uh, to get where I ended up. Agreed. So, and I say that because now I can I make decisions to be where I'm at today, which you, you can't have it either way. And I, I say in my episode, like, how convenient, you know, if I'm going to blame someone, you've got to give them credit for the good stuff then too. You yes. can't, they can't have it both ways. So what's really nice for you is that that sounds like you had a charmed childhood, which is quite interesting and wonderful to hear. So that's great. Yes. Yes, it was. I do feel, you know, I was treated a little bit extra. Um, I was adopted. So that was, I feel like I was spoiled a little bit, which is fine. Yeah. No big deal. Um, I still was taught uh, values and morals value of a dollar things like that sure. so it was you know i was still spoiled but i still got taught a lot and you know my parents were very involved in my life so i have an adopted sister and in regards that you were chosen and in in a sense i always like to kind of liken adoption i tell my children the same thing like when you adopt a puppy i'm not comparing you to yeah understand. <laughs> but, uh, but for children's sake i always say it's like the little puppy won the lottery in in a great way because they're welcomed into a loving home and and so that's great i think yes. that that's so skipping ahead then to a little bit about where your addictions lie, if you could share some of that. And, and can you, I always like to start with what your poison was. My poison was alcohol, cocaine, and cigarettes. Okay. Uh, and I kind of stayed in those swim lanes. I didn't venture out too far. I mean, I did from time to time, but it, those were my swim lanes. Okay. Did, did you have a particular poison, if you will? My poison ended up being heroin. And that had, I thought I had a control on it to be honest with you. And it... Famous last words, man. Everybody can say that. Yeah. Uh, It overtook my life. Yeah. And it ruined a lot of feelings and it ruined trust for friends and family. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I was a little bit of a late bloomer. I think, what was it? My first cigarette was when I was like 19. Wow, that is old for cigarettes. Yes. Yes. And then... My first time ever smoking pot was when I was 19 as well. Yeah. Um, very late bloomer. Sure. So I didn't even get drunk my first time until I was 20. So wow. Yeah. <laughs> you really were a late bloomer. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. So, and that was a one-time bit. And then I stopped and I waited until I was 21. Hmm. Um, and then I did your usual 21 party. Um, I believe my, uh, what was it? Uh... 23 was when I first tried cocaine. That was that was interesting, but it wasn't like I sought out for it or yeah. anything. It was a great, it was a, was it a fun time? Of course it was. You know, yeah. we, all, we all know that as, you know. Anyone that comes on the show and says that cocaine wasn't fun or whatever drug they were doing wasn't fun is, I, I would almost say, if I could say this, I'm not going to say they are lying, but they're not understanding the pull the right way because yes. you don't do shit that isn't fun. I mean, that's what, how it starts usually. And I hate to, I am not a doctor, as you know, I am not a therapist in any way, but most bad habits start because things are fun or easy yes. usually. So you might in that regard. So absolutely agree. Yeah. Uh, so cocaine wasn't your thing, man. I hit it and it, it just, it was definitely my thing. So I mean, I, I did like it. I did like it. I would do it occasionally. I hate to say this in a sense, but like I felt like I actually had a grasp on that. Yeah. On that, just because I really like to sleep, 
So it's like, you That'll know, a couple, <laughs> a couple, you know, bumps here and there at the clubs and then I'd be great. And not every time I would go out to the bars or whatever, I would be doing it. It was just once in a great while. Sure. But, you know, eventually you just kind of grow. For me, at least, I just kind of grew out of it. Yeah. It was what it was. And I experienced it. Great time. I'm okay, though. I'm yeah. good. I'm good. Yeah. The danger with cocaine or heroin, which we'll get into in a minute here, is once it gets its hook in you, it's hard to unhook if it if it trips the trigger the right way. Yes. So it, it, for anyone listening, don't dabble. No. If you can choose not to, don't. Don't do it, period. Uh, yeah, it, uh, because uh, for, like this is a perfect example for Tom. It, it didn't hook him. For me, it hooked me really hard. And then, unlike you, I did it every single time I drank. In fact, I would drink so that I could justify doing the cocaine and, and around I went. Um, so that wasn't that wasn't for you because if, if you like to sleep, cocaine is definitely no. not your drug of choice <laughs> for sure. Where did the transition into heroin come in? So what really happened was... was um, I had, I was in a very toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. It was constant fighting and it was constant stalking and I didn't have my own space and I, it overwhelmed me and knowing myself, always thinking I can handle things and not reaching out for help, which I should have done. Um, I didn't. And one night I had hit up a friend and I knew he had Xanax. Well, he didn't have Xanax one night. He says, I have something else for you. It'll calm you down. I was crying my eyes out. It was, uh, I believe, about a four and a half hour fight with him. And I went over there, tried it, knocked right out. Yeah, I would imagine. It does, it literally numbs you of all your feelings. And I felt better. Yeah. And, you know, I was hesitant about doing it again because I didn't want to, like, be labeled as a heroin addict. Yeah. But I would dabble into it for a while. Every here and every now and then I would, you know, go do it if I was really, really upset or something. And I thought, I have I have control of this. We're all good. And before I knew it, you know, every time I was arguing with someone or fighting with someone, I used an excuse to go use. Yeah. And then it just overtook my life. How did you do it? Because there's, like everything, there's different ways to... Take it in. So I did start snorting. Um, that was the first thing I tried. Absolutely terrible. I don't know why you would do a drug that makes you puke right away. Right. So I every time I would do it, I would still puke. And then it was... But, you know, the after effect was phenomenal. Yeah. So I would justify that with just... And it's just a little puke. You're fine. Well, puke ru ruins your teeth. They acid from your stomach and they you can ruin your teeth. I just started using nonstop. And, um, after, or snorting on nonstop. And then once, um, I wasn't getting high anymore from snorting, I ended up reaching or, uh, going to shooting up hmm. to get that instant fix, which is, it's unbelievable, but it's the scariest thing that you should ever be doing to your body unless yeah. you're not licensed. Yeah. It's truly, uh, that's a, that's a big, no, normally the progression that I've heard, I've never done it, uh, is snorting, smoking. Then uh, using tools. Mm -hmm. So you just skipped the smoking part and went right to the tools? So went right to the tools. The people that I was around, um, I didn't know how to do it and I was afraid. So they would always do it for me. Yeah. Um, towards the end of my addiction, before I was incarcerated, I was just jabbing the needle in my arm and just making sure I got didn't get sick, which was absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet, man. I mean, Dismantle Life isn't a gladiator school. Like, we don't give tips and tricks and how to do stuff. Yes. 
but but what I like to try to unpack is like the progression. So from when you you started snorting it and then you started using tools, how frequently um, were you doing it? Was it every day or twice a day or three times a day? And then for how long of a duration would that be? Because and they give you an example. So for me, I'll just skip all the way to the end. And, and I was doing cocaine every single day, drinking every single day, and smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, every day. Mm-hmm. So, but it took years to get to that point. So yes, you don't have to give away the dirty details per se. I'm just curious what that the the, the final stages were like. Because the other part about the show is I do like to skip into the other side of the addiction as well. So, of course. But to help people understand, first of all, heroin, from what I understand, could be you could be addicted, like anything, after your first dose. Yes. Number one. And then number two, the progression is quick and hard. And they say it's one of the most difficult drugs to come off. It is. It really honestly is. The sickness is unlike anything else. Um, I got sick, but I didn't get as sick as some do where they're soiling themselves and it's, it gets really bad. I didn't get to that point. Did you have to go to a clinic for methadone or anything? So once I had, I had to come clean to my family for the things that I was doing, illegal things. I went to a few clinics and they didn't accept insurance that I had. So I ended up getting accepted to Linden Oaks, which was wonderful. And then I was great. I was fine. I thought I was, I'd kick the habit. I detoxed on my own. Um, I had a few, I was seeing a doctor at the Linden Oaks, but so that helped me a little bit with the medication they gave me. Once I kicked it, once I graduated rehab, things were great. I started meeting, met someone. We ended up getting engaged, and then I got left for. Um, I relapsed because of that. Hmm. Um, that was that led into a hard, really hard, dark hole um, that I fell down in. Uh, that's where more legal things were happening, and unfortunately. So were you were the illegal things to to afford your habit or? Yes. Were, yeah. Yes. Finessing, stealing, sure. whatever I can do to get high, just because you don't want to be sick. You don't want to go through that. Yeah, your body it. aches and you don't want to move and you're sweating and it's terrible. What kind of volume are we talking about? Is it a daily oh, thing or multiple yes. times a day? Multiple times a day. Easily 100 to $150 a day is what I would need. I was very far into it and it was it was bad. It was very bad. And the worst part is, is I literally had to detox with nothing in a jail cell. Oh, wow. Yes. And you just have to write it out. I had to write it out. You Holy don't sleep. Shit. You cannot. You cannot sleep on it. You, when you're detoxing or you're coming off heroin, you cannot sleep. I've heard. For a month. Yeah, I was going to say. It took me a month to get back on some type of a somewhat normal sleep schedule. So maybe going into about a year and six months is when I finally hit a wonderful sleep schedule again. So the community that we live in, we know each other from where we live. Heroin's prevalent. Like it, it I would say it's more prevalent than cocaine. Yes. Um, around here. And it's weird because you can pick up nickels and dimes real quick. Yeah. Uh, did you have to, do not tell me where you got it specifically, but was it local and that's all I need to know? Or would you, did you have to travel outside of the locale? To get it. I did travel out of town. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's all we need to know. I don't yes. want to know anything else about that. No. Except except that 
it's pretty accessible. It, it's it's shameful, and, and I I've seen it. It's weird. It's like it's it's oddly socially accepted. It's strange. I don't it know is. how to put that in any other way. That it's it's way more accessible and acceptable than you would ever think. Because heroin used to be the top of the pyramid of drugs. Yes, it in did. terms of the ugliness of it, and cocaine always had. It always ended up on the ugliest of things, but it mm-hmm. always had a little bit more of a party flavor to it. It did. Where you were out and about doing it, where heroin, you usually kind of shut in doing it. I'm speculating because I've never done it, so I don't know, but I have, I'm just asking, is that kind of the nature of it for you? Did you end up doing it with like shut in and with the blinds drawn and, or did you, was it more of a social thing for you? How did you? So I did have a few people that I was uh, using with um, and we were shut in together. We would do it in a basement and if I was by myself, close the blinds, yeah. sit in my room, um, and just sit there and do it. Uh, it is a very shut out drug, and your friends and family will know a difference right away because you shut yourself down, you shut yourself yeah. out of everything, and you're not going to family functions, and you're not hanging out with your friends. Yeah. Your only friend in the world is heroin, and it just shuts you down. You I know, mean, you'd it, be happy. You'd be happy in a four by five room if you, as long as you had heroin. Which is very, very sad. It is. Because there's a whole wide world out there. There's a whole wide world. And the moral of the story here is every drug ends up like that. It doesn't matter what it is you're doing. Meth, cocaine, heroin, alcohol, it always lands the user, the abuser, i.e. me, by myself in my garage in the middle of the night with no ability to stop it. robs you of choice, which is the saddest thing. It does. Um, and it robs you of the beauty of life. And, 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 and again, I don't want to turn this into that kind of podcast, but, <laughs> yeah. but it always ends up in the same place. And Absolutely. It, it does. You're at your peak. You get, you're in jail. Obviously, in jail. bad things happen. You're doing things to afford your habit at a dime a day, dime and a half a day. What breaks you free of that? Like, what, what was there a moment? Because for me, there was, I call it my everything and nothing moment. I had, for me, it was a very big deal. I ended up in the hospital, almost died. But for a lot of guests, it's it's a nothing moment where they just say, I'm, I am fucking done. One little thing triggers it, like a comment or a decision. Did, was, did you have a, what was that moment like for you where you decided, I'm done with that shit? Sitting in jail, I, and I'm glad this happened. My parents wouldn't bail me, jail, bail me out. They bailed me out in the past. And they said, no, we're done. And having to just go through court appearance after court appearance after court appearance, Realizing that I see my parents through a video screen twice a week for 30 minutes. Yeah. That's it. Like, and it's just like, total wise lost a year and a half of my life because of what I had done. The first time I was in jail for seven and a half months, the judge was kind enough to let me out right before Christmas. Mm. And then I was home for a few weeks. I was uh, uh, house on house arrest. Yeah. And then I went got shipped off to rehab down in Kankakee. I was gone for another three months. So there was a whole year basically right there. Yeah. Um, I'm not being able to see my friends and my family or, you know, my parents. My parents are my biggest supporters alongside a few other people, but they're my number ones. So, you know, just being not able to see them and hug them and touch them, you really lose. It really fucks with your emotions yeah. and everything to not be able to have human contact and the fact that we all need human contact of some type of positive for positivity. Yeah. And not having that makes it made me a little bit stronger of a person, but that's just myself. But still, but you know, and it was like, I'm done. Like, this is terrible. I hurt so many people and I 
lost so much and I lied and it's like I'm done I'm so done with this now yeah there's usually a really tragic large wake behind us because when you're going through it like you said everything changes you who you are changes yeah and, and the decisions you make are for the wrong reasons and bad you make bad choices I made bad choices and yeah so we leave the wake of relationships are just crisped they're burned but it sounds like things are wonderful because you're no longer addicted to heroin and you don't no. do it very very happy to hear that but it sounds like you've rebuilt your relationship with your friends that love you and your family that loves you so um what was that like was that a very long i realize your friends that love you your parents that love you have your back but you still have to build bridges back absolutely sounds like your parents are supportive of that process though they are they're very supportive you know they they just love me unconditionally and they just want the best for me knowing that they were going to be there every day they're more verbal now than ever about showing their support for everything that i do and just looking out for my best interest yeah one, one of the things that i i've learned in recovery is like you where i would run to the cocaine the alcohol and the cigarettes to to bury emotions to bury feelings to to present the my face however i thought i needed mm-hmm. to present it so I had to learn coping mechanisms the right way. I had 40 years of very bad habits to break. Yes. So what I learned is just better to face it and deal with the the moment of uncomfortableness or the the fight or whatever it is. And you have to learn how to do it the right way. What For me, what was that like for you? It sounds like when you had emotional stress, you did, you know, it leaned you, it kind of triggered you that yes. way. Yes. Did you have to learn positive coping mechanisms or be okay with somebody being mad at you, maybe. Maybe that's as simple as that. What, what, what's that recovery like in that sense? So, going into that three-month rehab, I did learn some stuff. But oddly enough, I knew most of that. Mm-hmm. I just forgot about it in my addiction. So I had to re-go through. I had to redo that again. It's okay for people to be mad at you. It's okay if you fuck up. It's okay right. if you get into a fight. It is okay. And I'm going to say that nonstop. It's okay. Because it's not that big of a deal. Right. And you don't want to turn it into a big deal. It's, you know what, it's okay if you get fired. Right. You can get another job. That's right. And you messed up. It's okay. Or for whatever reason, you got fired. Whatever. Yeah. But it's okay. It is okay. And you can't, you can't dwell on the hardships and the, the negative things. I mean, if you do, then of course anyone's going to want to lose. Use. If you, yeah, completely concentrate on that. Toxic relationships can lead to bad choices. Where you, yes. you mentioned you were arguing and fighting with your significant mm-hmm. other for four and a half hours, you know that led to going down that you know the path to heroin. And and then anytime you had a fight, that was your resource. Yeah. And and I think that one of the things for me in recovery is to be be good with the skin that I'm in first and foremost, and then secondly, dealing with my relationships the right way. And then getting out of relationships that I don't need to be in. Yes. Uh, or forcing a bad relationship. That's the big thing. Like, you, not every relationship works. No. And I'm not just talking about boyfriends and girlfriends and shit like that. I'm saying any relationship. Sometimes yes. it's just best to move right past it and say, listen, I'll, I'll be cool when I see you, but I am not going to engage at any deeper level than that. Because Agreed. you're a drag on me and you force me down the wrong path or, or it triggers me. So that's, that's a big part of it, too, because it's... Uh, Tom and I know each other, and I know that you're in a wonderful, loving, happy, long-term relationship. 
And all that on the back of coming off of addiction and, and now being sober, which is, Tom is unique in this regard. I'm going to put these words in your mouth and then I'm curious about this piece. I, as an addict, have to give up everything. I, I can't have a one drink because it'll send me down the path, um, as I'd mentioned. But you're a little different in that regard. Like you, you can still socialize and have a drink or two in that. Uh, I'm not saying how does that work. I'm saying like, how did you know that you could do that? Was there a risk the first time that you did that? And, and is there any ever any itch while you're doing it to go down the other path? I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I just knew because when I went into the program, I was told I can't do any of that whatsoever. Yeah. And it's like, well... I, just because I have a drink doesn't mean I want to go use heroin. And it's always been like that. Like, nothing's ever, no other mind-altering substance has made me trigger to go to heroin. The initial drug itself, heroin, of course. If I try that, I'm going to want that. Of course, yeah. Every Anyone who's done that is going to want that. They know that luxury feeling of losing everything in your body and feeling nothing but, like, silence. So yes, I can have some drinks and I can be okay. And I, I've known that and I've fought that through my entire recovery. And I fought that with my counselor and we still disagree on it. And it's like everyone needs to be treated individually and not as a whole because everyone is different. That's, oh yeah, I agree with that. I actually got locked up again a year, I think it was a year ago, if not two, I can't remember. COVID's got my brain all messy. Yeah, <laughs> mine too. But uh you know, I was I was smoking pot. Pot for me actually calms me down. I have ADHD. It makes my brain slow down. And I can process things easier. It is also another uh, relaxing herbal drug versus me popping a Xanax or a Clonopin or something that is, you know, man-made that could have other effects on yeah. you know myself. Have I taken them? Yes, I know what they do, but I do prefer. Um, if I do need to relax or, you know, de-stress or something to have some marijuana, whether it be a smokable or pop an edible, um, I do not do it as much at all like I used to. It's just a way for me to relax and de-stress if something has me bothered. But it does not make me want to go to go and use heroin. I know, I know the consequences. I know the consequences because I've gone through those consequences right. of using heroin. Let alone, it's just a terrible drug. Period. I don't want to die. I have built such an amazing life coming from literally a black hole. You know, being engaged. I threw a massive engagement party last year. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And of course, it was in Boys Town. So yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, everyone there loves me and supports me, and that was not even half of the people that love and support me. Uh, it was about 150 people. Yes, it yeah, was. That's, that's what it's about right I've there. built so much for me. I've gotten a new job, and then I got fired, and then I got another job, and now I'm at the job that absolutely makes me so happy. I love being there. My fiancé supports me. I mean, it, there's just so much that i built, and the, and the number one thing that i built back is the trust with my family. Yeah. Um, the fact that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm a productive member of society. I'm honest. and Isn't it great is... when you, you you can put all that shit down and just carry with you the good stuff? Being in recovery from an addiction is your superpower because you now have taught yourself good habits yes. from bad habits. You know the difference between good and bad choices. You can help others 
by coming on the show, which is, I think, a tremendous value for anyone listening. You have a certain strength and in, in endurance and toughness now that you didn't pre-addiction. And I'm not suggesting that you, you weren't tough then. I'm saying that now you, you know the difference. And, and I, so I, I'm of the mind that the path to sobriety is unique to each individual, it as every addiction is well as well. Is. And, and I, anyone that says, well, you, you're not really recovered if you still do this or that, screw them. I, I disagree with that. I think that I I, I'm disagree. not here to judge. I need to be completely absent of yeah. any, anything for me. But that's, I know me. And I, I think it's great. And I've had people come on the show uh, and talk about different levels of sobriety. And, and I, I think it's wonderful that you're able to know that and control that trigger. It's not for everybody. And I'm no, not advocating not. it. But I'm saying that I think it's great that you can do it. Um, because, and then maybe we can end on this, is one thing that everyone thinks is sobriety is boring. And it's complete bullshit. I have more fun now. I am more fun. I am more engaged. I'm more involved in my life at every level and every feeling now that I'm sober than I ever was when I was using what's life now like in the sunshine for you sober from heroin life is probably better I mean I would think it's got to be a, a, just a thousand percent better I think better is an understatement yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I, I I didn't imagine any of this you know and to be as happy as I am finally am now and getting what I want yeah. And being able to go do what I want and not be weighted down with the heroin is absolutely phenomenal. I have a wonderful partner who supports me 110%. My parents, my friends, I go out and do things. We're able to, you know, take vacations. And you can't do that when you're on drugs. It's, I mean, some drugs, yes, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But... As far as heroin for me, there's no way I could take vacations. I'd have to bring heroin on the plane or in the car. And then that's a whole nother, you know, it's just another yeah. weight of stress that I, you don't need. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm speechless as far as where I've come and I'm so proud of myself. And You should be. You know, it's, it's just, it's wonderful. And I want people to know that it is possible, worth it your ass off. You know, yeah. get that done. You can live this life. And there is a life to live. There really is. It does, yeah. You have to start with, you just have to make the choice to, to be better today than yesterday. Don't, don't do whatever Absolutely. it is you're doing. And you can do it. You have to put the work in. But when you come out the other side, I'm proud to say that you look great. I, Thank I you. love that you came on to share the story. I did not know the story at all. And we have known each other for a hell of a long time. Yes. So that you, you, you trusted me enough to come on the show, first of all. So thank you for that. And share very it to welcome. the listeners. Because I love that you have a different approach to sobriety that you shared with the listeners as well. Which I think is, as you are, and a wonderful person, but unique in that regard too. Which I think is great. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. You know, I just want to get the word out that people are need to be treated individually. And not everyone needs to be grouped as a whole because everyone is different as a person. And we need to really start recognizing that in the program. Yeah. So, you know, I just, let's get the word out. Get the word out. And, you know, if you need help, if, if you need anything, any questions, just don't be afraid to take the first step. Ask. You have to come out with your family in terms of the abuse and the addictions and let them know where you stand. A friend, whoever it is, a, a, a counselor that you don't even know on the phone, you can whatever you have to do, you have to admit that you have a problem. Yes. And as cliche as that sounds, it's the first step. You have to own the problem. 
then you can sort it. And then you start to, and I'm not you know, bullshitting anybody, it's a bitch, man. It's a fight. It is. But it's the best fight of your life. I still struggle to this day from time to time. I get triggered. The triggers are fewer and farther between and not as severe. But some days, it's a bitch, man. I have to white knuckle the day. Yeah. But you have to teach yourself the right habits, resources, and happy places to go to to get through it. And thank you for sharing your story. I oh, really appreciate it. I'm happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time.